Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our afternoon show, Looking Up, with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. How are you, Danny? I'm doing great. Thank you, Peter. Looking forward to this time. It's great to see you again. In our program today, we're going to talk about how the coronavirus crisis relates to Bible prophecy. Is there any link? Because there are a lot of people with a lot of questions, and people are looking for answers. We're also going to talk about a little bit about how prophecy has impacted our own lives, Danny. And uh, we also want to talk about a couple of online events coming up this weekend exploring these very topics. Danny Milenkov, it's great to see you in the studio. I'm really looking forward to this, Peter. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to explore and just really enjoying the journey that we're going to have together with our listeners. Well, that's right. Okay, so. How are you doing in the crisis? How you you know we this is the first time that we've had an opportunity to talk about this together like this. So, um, how's the crisis treating you? Yeah, well, I'm finding it a bit of a challenge, but my wife is finding it a great relief. She's got so social isolation from me. She says <laughs> I need to be six feet apart from her. Um, no, just kidding. Um, yeah, look, it's been challenging. Um, ministry. After 20 years, all of a sudden tipped upside down and I'm having to learn how to do things differently. I'm not one of these people that enjoys change, so I'm really finding it a bit of a challenge. But I'm getting through, I'm smiling, I'm laughing, exercising and just doing what I need to do. And and, I'm a, and I guess, like everybody else, I'm doing my best to adapt. But it has been challenging. I guess, you know, different people are different. And, uh, you know, you've got introverts and extroverts. You've got people, people and people who enjoy a little bit of isolation or whatever. And I'm certainly one of those people who thrives on being with others and so I find it you know very difficult not to be interacting with people uh, in a physical way you know on a regular basis and um, it's just sort of interesting to to you know have that um, trying to to do business trying to do work in a a socially uh, isolated environment has been very challenging indeed. So we're going to talk today a little bit about how uh, the coronavirus uh, has impacted um, the community as it relates to Bible prophecy. Some people are wondering, does the Bible have anything to say about uh, the events that we're facing right now? Um, And we're going to look at some of those links in our program. And uh, we're also going to talk about, as I mentioned, uh, Danny and I, we've had a, a sort of interesting journey. We're going to talk about a little bit about that and what it means uh, to us to have uh, found some of the things that we found in Bible prophecy and how that's encouraged us. You know, the program is called Looking Up, and we want to encourage people to do that. We believe that uh, God has answers to the challenges that we're facing, and I know that you've uh, found that too, Danny. Absolutely. So we're, we're looking forward to exploring that. We're going to go to some music in just a moment, so sit back and enjoy. One of the days that I look to the world for a peace, look for a sense of days that I thought I'd give my life to lies. Gone are the days, and gone are the days. Gone are the days that I sought for myself to please, look for a sense of my glory. 
to Gone Are The Days uh, with Anders Svensson. Wonderful. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that song and hope our listeners did also. Now, Peter, you and I have a bit of a history. Uh, <laughs> we have a bit of a history. Unfortunately for you, uh, you bumped into me some 10 years ago on on a plane or a number of planes and buses a long way away from the shores of Australia. Now, where on earth did we first bump into each other? Yeah, so we are, Danny and I, we actually met 10 years ago and we've been uh, pretty good friends ever since, although we don't see each other, uh, it's not like we see each other every day or every week, but when we do get together, it's like we've never been apart. And uh, we're a little bit of a kindred spirit. Actually, it's funny because the listeners cannot see this, but um, Danny and I actually have almost identical shirts on today, which is like just a bit of a joke, really. <laughs> That's pretty sad. Um, that that is, is really sad. <laughs> other people are laughing at us and you can understand why. 
Um, so yeah, we met 10 years ago on, we were on a, a Middle East tour doing some research and we were a group of people and uh, we just happened to be sitting next to each other on the bus most of the time and so uh, we struck up a friendship. So it's been great to get to know you. Actually, something else other people uh, may not notice or not notice, not know, is that you and I were married on the self same day, and uh, not 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 only the self same day, but probably the very hour. But it should be important to mention we weren't married to each other. No, we weren't, and I think that is probably the best thing that's ever happened to us. <laughs> Could you be? I can't imagine being married to you, Pete. No chance. Yes. Well, I think I would. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd. <laughs> you'd be standing at the aisle, Danny. You'd be standing at the aisle. So yeah. that was 25 years ago. We've been married to our respective wives 25 years. So that has been a fantastic journey. But um, I think we, we should um, probably talk, if we're going to talk about um, the coronavirus, we're going to talk about Bible prophecy. You know, a lot of people are frightened by the idea of Bible prophecy, especially. We think about the book of Revelation, and um, people are sort of worried about some of the things in there, and which is kind of interesting to me because I, I um, my relationship with the Bible was growing up was kind of a non-relationship in the sense that I had this notion that well the Bible was just a book of fables, and so it wasn't given much attention, and I, I just dismissed it. I, I didn't examine it for myself. I didn't go there. I grew up basically an atheist in the UK, and. Uh, some of the, the things that perhaps uh, might cause people to be apprehensive about studying Bible prophecy are actually things that I really enjoy these days. Yeah, and um, yeah, I guess growing up in, in the UK, uh, once upon a time, that was a place. And when we visited the Western Europe, I remember back in 2010, we visited Western Europe and there were a number of sites that we went to a number of churches you've got john and charles wesley uh who were prominent uh preachers there and revivals that took place and and now the uk is a very different place when it comes to biblical christianity so i can imagine it would have been pretty tough um to grow up in that kind of environment and and to have some kind of spiritual understanding or spiritual interest in biblical things yeah i suppose like the thing was I mean, I had a happy childhood. I don't want to paint um, anything other. I had a, a great family. But what I would say is I think I grew up in an environment with what you would call a post-Christian environment. I think many people in England, um, in the environment that I was sort of growing up with, it was kind of like, well, religion, that was yesterday, you know, and we've sort of grown out of that. You know, and we've 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 matured, and so I grew up uh, in secular England. Went to state schools there. Um, I, I grew up in Birmingham, actually. Birmingham, England, is right in the centre of the country, and uh, it's uh, sometimes uh, affectionately referred to as the heart of England. And um, probably, you know, it's not a tourist mecca. You would not go to Birmingham as a tourist, that's for sure. And um, I, I suppose you'd call it today, it's probably a post-industrial town. It was a fairly, a very industrial area during the Industrial Revolution. It was kind of the heart of manufacturing in the UK. But um, there's probably a couple of companies um, that, that people might recognize uh, from my hometown. And one of those would be Cadbury's. Uh, Cadbury chocolate was actually first came from Birmingham, England. Wow. So John Cadbury opened his shop there in uh, in Birmingham in the city centre. And then he built a... A factory out there in Bourneville. You might have heard of Bourneville Chocolate. And uh, he uh, opened that factory. I mentioned that because half my family worked at Cadbury's. 
uh, on my mum's side. So my grandfather, my uncle, my aunt, my cousins, they all worked there. And then on my dad's side, another um, manufacturing plant that people may have heard of, my, um, my, my dad's side, they all worked at Austin Rover on the Mini. And uh, I'm sure many people have seen the old Mini. I'm not talking about the new ones that made by BMW, but the old Mini um, that they used to make for decades and uh, my grandfather, my dad, my uncles, and myself all worked at the car factory. All worked um, on the Mini. I used to put petrol tanks in Minis, 200 a day. And uh, so it was a manufacturing town. And uh, so I, I grew up, um, and I, I, I guess I was about, when I was 14, I was going to state school, and I was drinking and smoking, which is what all my mates were doing, and you just got introduced to that. And I remember thinking about my grandparents. Now, I had great-grandparents. They, well... Not great-great-grandparents, you know what I mean? Terrific grandparents is what I'm saying. Um, but I recognised that they were getting older and they were going to die at some point. Then my parents are going to grow old and get and die, and then I was going to grow old and get die, and die. And I realised that at 14 years of age, and I was thinking to myself, what is the point of life? And uh, I remember distinctly thinking that. And uh, I didn't have an answer to that question at that time, um, but that was always in the back of my mind. Um, a little while later, I ended up working, uh, left school, became a car mechanic, uh, did some of that uh, car factory work. And then uh, I ended up working in a cocktail bar. And uh, there was a guy who came to that cocktail bar who had been raised in church. He'd been raised in church and he knew about the Bible, uh, but he'd kind of drifted out into the world and he was doing his own thing. And one uh, time when I was uh, working with him, he shared with me something from the Bible. I thought, well, that's really weird because I wasn't interested. I was kind of, you know, you shuffle away from people (laughs) as they sort of say, you know, it sounds like a bit of a weirdo to me. Um, But he would share things and I thought that 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 was a bit strange. And a little while later, um, he actually shared something from uh, the book of Genesis. He was talking about the fact that Lots of evidence in the world for a global flood, and the Bible talks about a global flood at the time of Noah. And what did you believe at the time when it comes well, the time to I, where we came from? Okay, yeah. So, you know, I um, I went to secular school, and I thoroughly believed in evolution. So I had um, friends when I was about 14. We'd go down the park when we'd come home from school and play soccer and uh, football back football, in England. Football, I was football back say, in England. you didn't play any soccer. You played so- football. Soccer in Australia, but... Um, we played football, and uh, one of my mates, he, he was a churchgoer. He, I think he was the only one of my mates back then that was a churchgoer, and I used to give him such a hard time because uh, nobody, none of our group was a churchgoer. And, uh, and I was saying, how can you believe in the Bible? Don't you know about the dinosaurs and all of that kind of stuff? <laughs> and so uh, I was a thorough believer in evolution. Anyway, he was talking, Steve was talking about this, this flood at the time of Noah, and he said these he said this interesting thing. He said, and after the flood, God put a rainbow in the sky as a promise he would never again flood the earth. And I remember saying these words. I said, that's interesting. I said, I didn't know the Bible said anything about rainbows. Now, wow. I, I didn't know the Bible said anything about anything. <laughs> well, I mean, you never seriously. read the Bible in your life, had not you? Not really? at all. Not at all. And so... Um, so the very next day, that happened to be a Sunday, and the very next day I was driving to work. By this time, I was a sales rep for a glass processing company. I'm driving to work, and it's raining, and it's Birmingham, and that is not unusual, I've got to tell you. So it was a grey, rainy day. But over the middle of the road, there was the brightest, most beautiful rainbow I'd ever seen. And when I saw it, 
something happened in my heart that I cannot explain, but I burst into tears. Wow. Now, and are you uh, an emotional kind of guy? Or was that kind of a bit strange? Being what, a pommy, I mean... I don't often burst into tears when I'm driving emotional. to work. I've got to tell you. <laughs> but I burst into tears and I pulled over on the side of the road and something happened on the inside that I could not explain. Wow. And I knew at that moment that there was a God and I knew the rainbow was there for me. And that actually terrified me because I thought... You know, this this was a new thought to me. But from that time on, I been, began exploring. I started doing some Bible study with uh, my friend Steve. And, uh, yeah, eventually I've been basically studying the Bible 25 years ever since. And uh, we want to explore some of that uh, in our program uh, later this afternoon um, because I want for people to understand the things that I was introduced to that I did not know before and that have uh, dramatically impacted my life for the better. And that's, what, um, that's why I'm excited about Bible prophecy. That's why I'm excited about the context, uh, contents of the book. Um, I want to ask you about your journey too, Danny, because um, you have a story to tell. And uh, this is going to just talk, let's explain to the listeners that this is hopefully going to help them to... Uh, you know, understand us a little bit more as we uh, rattle on this afternoon. And so um, maybe share a little bit of uh, your own journey. Sure. Well, unlike you, I grew up in this part of the world here. I was blessed to be born in, in Melbourne. Uh, my parents came over from Macedonia back in the early 70s. My mum was three months pregnant with me when they jumped on a ship, an Italian ship bound for Australia a month later. Uh, I happened to, to, to come to Australia. So conceived in Macedonia and born in Australia. Basically, the short story of my life is, yes, <laughs> conceived in Macedonia and dropped off in Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in a, in, a, in a Christian home, grew up in a loving Christian home, grew up, unlike you, exposed uh, to the Bible, to the Bible stories. I believed right from the word go that uh, I was here because a loving God created me, created this world. And so that's the kind of environment I grew up in. Went to church from nappies. In fact, uh, one of the very first homes that we lived in that we rented was literally across the road from the church, across the road from the church. So, um, yeah, so that was how it all began for me. Uh, went and you to... stayed there ever since. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to say that that was the case, but that really wasn't the case. Although I, I grew up in a church environment, went to Christian schools, primary, um, and for part of my high school, half of my high school time was in a Christian school. The other half was in the public school system. However, during my teenage years, I wanted to, wanted to see if there was something else On the other there. side of the fence. On the other side of the fence. So I went exploring to see where, where that might lead. And so, yeah, for a number of years there, for several years there, during my teenage years, I wandered and drifted far away from the principles that I was brought up on, the biblical principles and the Christian principles. And so through that journey, I discovered... As I look back now, at the time I couldn't really uh, work it out, but certainly looking back now, I can clearly see that I was searching and I was seeking for meaning. I was seeking for answers. Even though I was a teenager, I was looking for where I fit in in life and what would give me some kind of security, what would give me some kind of certainty. And so 
I discovered that the parties and uh, going out and this and that, that really didn't provide that which I was looking for. And I really wasn't into drinking or smoking or any of that stuff, but I love to hang out with my mates who were. So you know what it's like. You you just go along with the flow. and you run um, with the crowd. Exactly right. So um, I got involved in a lot of other things that I'm not very proud of that <laughs> I don't think the listeners really want to hear no about No details, either. please, please. No, too, no, no. too much information. So, um, but at the age of 18, at the age of 18, uh, through watching these videos – on the book of Revelation. Okay. Yeah, by an American preacher who passed away recently, a guy by the name of Kenneth Cox. Um, I was introduced to the Bible in a way that I'd never experienced it before. I was introduced to Bible prophecy. And for myself, this was 18. I was 18. I was in my last year of high school. And here I am watching a video on an evening. It was a Friday night. I remember I was supposed to be going out with my mates. They were supposed to be picking me up for some, but for some reason they never showed up that evening. And so I kept watching this um, video on the book of Revelation that my mother had um, hired from a Christian bookshop. And through that experience that night at the age of 18, in fact, I remember the night, it was Moomba Friday night. For those of you who... If you've ever are, been to Melbourne. If you've ever been to Melbourne or you're a Melbourneian, you know exactly when Moomba is. Um, it's during the month of March. And so I gave my I heart know, to the Lord. I don't know that it's that big now. I, th- I think it was well, a lot bigger back, well, back well, in the day. Me, let me tell you, Peter, it wasn't very big at all this year. This year it was cancelled. <laughs> Due to COVID-19, well, it was cancelled. Uh, but yeah, no, look, it's a, it's a big festival. It's a fun festival. So we were looking to have a good time. But yeah, that night I gave my heart to the Lord. And that was back in 1990. I was 18 at the time. And ever since then, what, I guess 30 years now. Um, yeah, just been uh, really enjoying this new journey with the Lord. And Bible prophecy certainly has had a huge impact on my life. Bible prophecy has um, enabled me to be the person that I am and to have the hope that I am. So it's just been awesome. Terrific, Danny. We're going to talk some more about that in a moment. We're going to take, um, we're going to go to some music. Um, and it's called, well, it's the, the song is called Call Me Higher, and it's all sons and daughters. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness. I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something Thank you. 
team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to be God's hands and feet in your communities, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Remember to call your friends and family and ask if there's anything they need, whether it's food, some toilet paper, or just a chat. Little things like this make a big difference to loved ones who just want to know that you're safe and sound. Okay, we are back. to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, we're back on Looking Up. I got a little enthusiastic there. Did you notice that, Danny? I don't think you were looking uh, up. I died. That's the problem. <laughs> I think I was looking sideways. That's well, what I that was a problem. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't paying attention. Listen, Danny, before we went to the break, we um, you were talking about something that kind of resonated with me. We've been talking about how uh, Bible prophecy has impacted our own lives. And something you mentioned there, you talked about uh, the fact that um, you didn't have, uh, as a younger person growing up, you didn't have a strong identity. And... Um, and maybe a, a strong direction. I know that. Go ahead. Yeah, I guess. I guess uh, when you grow up in a Christian home, uh, for those that have grown up in a Christian home, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you grow up in a Christian home, that's all you know. That's all you know. It's like um, you know, if you grew up on fish and chips and um, going to the park, and you grew up doing this, that, and the other as a kid, that is all you know. And so all I knew was going to church, the Christian faith, the Bible stories. That's all I knew. And it's only when I became a teenager that I thought, I want to do a bit of exploring. And that's when I had those questions. I had those questions, you know, who am I? What am I here for? Is this really real? That was the big thing I had to ask myself. Is this really real? And, um, and, and, and what does this mean about who I am and why I am here for. So that was kind of the big thing I had to explore for myself. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, you know, the, the biggest positive for me is I know who I am. I know who I am as a human being. I know why I exist and I know where we're headed. And, those, and I didn't have those things as a younger person. And there were all sorts of insecurities as a result of that. I'm going to read one Bible verse that means uh, a lot to me. And it is in John 8.32. And it says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And I've got to tell you, um, since becoming a Christian, I've never felt freer. And some people might wonder at that and say, What? Are you kidding? All those restrictions? How can you possibly imagine that you're freer now than you were when you didn't have that baggage, that religious baggage? Um, but my concept of who God is and what he wants for me um, has been changed massively. So you're, telling me, so you're telling me, Peter, that you feel liberated now. I really do. I, wow. feel, I feel fully free. I feel like... I feel like running up the hill, <laughs> but I haven't got to, I can't do that today because I'm stuck in here with you. Now, look, let's turn our attention to the topic that we were going to talk about from the, the get-go, and that is everybody's in the coronavirus, crisis, the coronavirus crisis. It's affected everybody across the globe, and I think, you know, certainly in, uh, for you and me, and everybody, I would say, who's listening to our voice, nobody has gone through anything like this in their lifetime. Because no, this has isn't. affected every country, every person. Yeah, I think they're saying over and over again that this is the greatest crisis since World War II. 
Yeah. And World War Two ended in what? I think 1945, so 75-odd years ago. And unless, I guess, unless you're about 85, 90, which there will be some listeners who are sure. in that age We'd category. We'd like to welcome those <laughs> listeners who are over 85. And they know what it's like to go through a major crisis. Uh, the rest of us, by and large, the majority of the population, in the world have got no idea what it's like to live through a crisis such as this. Yeah. So, yeah, this is all brand new territory for all of us. So so this is something big, right? We, we see the impact of it. So the, the question is, you know, what does God have to say about this? Does God, is God surprised like we were? You know, at Christmas time, none of us were expecting to be in this position, right? So, uh, you know, does this have anything to, does the Bible have anything to say about the time in which we, we live and um, I think that you've got something that you wanted to touch on. Yeah, well, on I want to share with you, you shared a scripture, John eight thirty two. you know, you will know the truth and the truth will yeah. set you free. I love the words um, before verse 32, Jesus says in verse 31, if you abide in my word, you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. For me, uh, a scripture that has had a huge impact on me and to your question, did this catch God by surprise? Certainly not. Is John fourteen twenty nine? John fourteen twenty nine. At the end of Jesus' life, just only hours before his crucifixion, mm. he shared these words with his disciples. In John fourteen twenty nine, Jesus said, "And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe." Yeah. So this is a really fascinating uh, scripture. That, that Jesus shares here, uh, an incredible statement. He says, I'm telling you ahead of time yeah. because I know what is on the other side. You know, we've been hearing from our politicians in particular, our PM, speaking of when we get to the other side, when we get to the other side. And Jesus knows ahead of time what it's like on the other side. And he knows what it's like to get through this situation. And so uh, we don't need to be afraid because Jesus knows, the Bible tells us, and that was very significant in my journey. Mm. I became a true blue believer in God and his word because the primary reason is certainly because of Bible prophecy. Because when I saw these things come to pass, as Jesus said, when you see these things mm. come to pass, that you may believe. Yep. And what does John 3.16 say? You know, yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not what perish, but have everlasting life. So my faith was built on the knowledge that God knows about the future. He knows about my life and he has a plan for my life. And so, yeah, this didn't catch God by surprise. Okay, so let, let's just put, put um, the, 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 the question directly. Does the Bible say anything about coronavirus? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So Jesus. tell us all about it. Well, we'll start. We'll make a bit of a start today. Um, in the coming, in the coming um, weeks, we will unpack it some more. But I want to start off by taking a look at what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Now, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 is Jesus' last sermon as recorded by Matthew. And you can go to Luke chapter 21, where we find that same sermon of Jesus only days out before his crucifixion. Yeah, so let's let's just um, unpack that. So we, what you've got in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is essentially four different people giving their account of the life of Jesus. So That's you've right. got Matthew. So Matthew gives his account, and, and we have this, this beautiful uh, sermon that Jesus uh, gives essentially, this, this two-chapter sermon message in Matthew 24, 25. And then what we're saying is there's a parallel passage 
in Luke 21 and Mark 13. That's correct. That's correct. So Matthew here, he begins to unpack for us what Jesus shared at the end of his journey, as we said, only a few days out before his crucifixion. And maybe I can pick it up in Matthew 24 and verse 1. Matthew 24 and verse 1. And if some of our listeners have a Bible handy there, you may want to follow with us. Um, if, you've got, uh, if you've got the Bible on your phone or, or on your tablet or if you're driving, certainly just listen in. <laughs> don't, don't do anything else but listen. Uh, Matthew 24 verse 1, the Bible says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Now reading in verse 2. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, the Jews uh, believed that the temple, the pride of their nation, if that was ever to be destroyed, that would be the end of the world. Sure. That's what they believed. And you can maybe read verse 3 there, uh, Peter, as, as, as what happens next. Okay, so bearing in mind, we're just going to read this, but bearing in mind, we want to get to the answer is, does the Bible say anything about Corona? So we're, we're heading there, hang in there, we are heading there. Verse 3, it says, Now as he, that's Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, and that is the uh, hill that just sort of overlooks the city of Jerusalem. Um, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples, that's his followers, came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Now there are some versions of the bible that says the end of the world there so uh, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world or the end of the age mm, that's right and so jesus here uh, begins to share with them different signs that would precede the destruction of jerusalem which is what the disciples asked about initially as well as the signs concerning the end of time or the end of the world, which is the second coming of Jesus. Yep. Jesus kind of wove these two events, the destruction of Jerusalem, which did take place in 70 AD, just as Jesus predicted. And what we are waiting for, the, the second coming, Jesus interwove these two events kind of in one. And it's kind of a, a divine tapestry, I call it, Matthew 24, as Jesus pulled these two events together. And, and what happened in Jerusalem on a small scale will happen worldwide at the end of time before the coming of Jesus. And Jesus went on and he began, and he gave us some signs here. You may want to begin reading from verse 4. And in particular, verse 7 is where we want to land yeah. because that specifically speaks of COVID-19 and what is taking place right now. Well, let's read through there and then we can uh, pull that out because I want to say a few things about that. But I'm going to bring in right now Jesus' answer to that question. What will be the signs of your coming in the end of the age? And it says, um, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Uh, and then he says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And we're not going to unpack all of this too much now, but the first thing Jesus says is there will be spiritual deception. That's right. And also with deception comes confusion. Yep. And what, what do we have today? We're, we've got a lot of confusion We've got people who are uncertain, not quite sure what's going to be happening. There are so many websites out there claiming one thing or another. And so there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of deception. And so, yeah, that's the first thing that Jesus said. You are absolutely correct. So let's, let's, let's move through. And he goes in verse 5, he sort of backs that up. He said, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Then he goes on and he talks about some of the political signs prior to his coming. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. 
Then in verse 7 he says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now when it says pestilences there, Danny, is that talking about a small brother or a small sister? Uh, no, <laughs> it's certainly not talking about that, the, the common pest in the home. Um, no, this is talking about uh, diseases. Uh, strange diseases, uh, plagues, uh, that word can be translated disease, plague or pestilence, um, serious, serious diseases that take out thousands, uh, potentially millions of individuals. So we're talking about this then is as, you know, pestilence is listed amongst one of the signs That's right. of the end here. And uh, we're going to unpack the implications of that. Okay, so... One of the things I was um, thinking of, I, when I drive to work uh, each morning, I still have the privilege of being able to go into the office. I know a lot of people are working from home, and I've done a lot of work from home myself of recent times, but I can still pop into the office from time to time. And on my way to the office, I'll re- I'm listening to um, an ABC podcast each morning. It's called CoronaCast. And uh, it was fascinating because they actually mentioned this again this morning, funnily enough. Mm, But a couple of days ago, a few days ago, uh, they were talking about the fact that in 2015, uh, scientists predicted a pandemic from the coronavirus back in 2015. Uh, This was a study in Nature Medicine, 2015, and uh, the key laboratory of special pathogens and biosafety in Wuhan the Wuhan Institute of Virology at the Chinese Academy of Scientists in Sciences, Sciences excuse me, in Wuhan, China. Um, so this is very coincidental, um, and it says they particularly looked at viruses in horseshoe bat populations. I'm going to read you the last sentence mm. of their report. Uh, their last sentence of the report said this: Our work suggests a potential risk of SARS-CoV reemergence from viruses currently circulating in bat populations. So they're talking about a coronavirus. So this is back in what year? 2015. 2015, five years ago, and they could already see on the horizon that we were, we were about to head into, into these very troubled waters, potentially. Yeah. Well, so that's, that, what's interesting to me here is, so here we are with people who are, if you like, it's a little bit like a weather forecast in that, you know, you're looking into, you're looking at the trends, you're forecasting what potential problems there might be based on current threats. Um, and, and so people are saying, you know, there could be a, a potential problem here. Um, what we have just read in the scriptures, though, which is interesting, where it's talking about some of the signs of the end, that's written 2,000 years ago. You know, that's the, right. Nobody's looking at the trends there. No, they won't. And, and what's going to be very interesting is verse 8, which we don't have time to get to right now, but in just a few moments we will. Yep. And, um, and that really just unpacks the gravity of what is taking place. And, uh, yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of information out there recently uh, regarding uh, the heads up that we have received that something like COVID-19 could potentially rattle our world, tip our world upside down. And um, I remember reading a Time magazine article back in 2017. The headline was, warning, we are not ready for the next pandemic. And that was basically saying what you've been sharing. So fascinating stuff. We're going to get to... We'll come back to that. We're going to come back to the words of Jesus in just a moment. All right. Well, we're going to listen to another song. It's uh, by Eric and Monique. I actually know this lovely couple. Everlasting is the song.
That was Everlasting with Eric and Monique. Um, so, Danny, pick up where you were left off before. Well, before we went to that beautiful music, we were talking about how we have, for a number of years now, uh, been warned by the scientists, been warned by the medical profession out there that these viruses that are circulating, and we've, we've had a number of them, um, you'll, you'll remember... Uh, some of them, and I'll just mention some of them by name. We've we've had Ebola, we've had the Zika virus, uh, we've had the West Nile virus, we've had mad cow disease, we've had SARS, we've had bird flu, and before that, 1980 and beyond, we had the AIDS virus that is uh, HIV. Take, yeah, HIV AIDS. So there've been a number of viruses uh, that have been growing. 
And in that particular Time magazine, uh, back in 2017, May 2017. Now, just reference that cover again, because I think the warning sign on the front was quite interesting to me. I, I've seen that, and it was a couple of, well, three years ago now. Well, absolutely. I mean, when I remember picking it up out of my letterbox because I subscribed to Time magazine, and I looked at it, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty in-your-face front cover. And, uh, yeah, the headline was, with a big black box around it, warning all in capitals and bold, subtitle, we are not ready for the next pandemic. Uh, that was the front cover. And, um, and inside that article, there was an interesting graph. And it looked at these viruses that have been circulating that you referred to from 1980 for until 2010. So basically for 30 years, three decades. Yeah. And, they, and they showed a graph. If only the listeners could actually see what I'm seeing here. Paint us a word okay, picture. Okay, I'll, I'll paint you a word picture. <laughs> um, the, graph, uh, the, the graph is looking at the transmission bet- from animals to humans, which we believe COVID-19 is based, be, on, yeah. based on the evidence we have thus far, yeah. as well as the transmission from humans to humans. And it put these graphs up there, and basically the numbers have been doubling. Mm. So the numbers per decade, so from 1980 to 1990, the numbers doubled in both those categories in the following decade, and they almost doubled again in the following decade. So the numbers are doubling. Mm. I'm not quite sure what the last decade from 2010 to 2020 has been. I can't tell you that. This article was written, obviously, in 2017, well and truly before the end of this decade. But this is telling us something that Jesus actually said, Peter. And um, looks Jesus. like to me that there's a, there's a there's a growth in uh, frequency and intensity. Absolutely, there. absolutely, it's just so clear. It's yeah. like clear as the nose on your face. So here's the thing. I, I know. I just and want Jesus to Jesus actually it. predicted it. But uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, no, no, no. That's right. We've talked about the fact that Jesus mentioned the pestilence was one of the signs. Now, like you mentioned, there's been a whole raft of different diseases, but of course, by far and away, this is the one with the greatest impact in any of our lifetimes in terms of the way that it has impacted everybody's life. I just want to, um, I, I guess, cut in here and talk briefly about something, and then we're going to come back to this track. But um, we talked a little bit about the fact that uh, these are signs of the second coming of Jesus, and when Jesus comes, that's the end of the world. And you know, many people might be wondering, how on earth, why on earth would anybody consider the end of the world to be a good thing? You know, right? I mean, why is anybody looking forward to the, to the end of the world? And what we need to understand from a biblical perspective, when the Bible talks about the end of the world, it's really only talking about the end of everything bad. That's right. Right? So in other words, it's not the end of life. In fact, Jesus is coming back to, to rescue those who put their faith and trust in him. He's coming to resurrect those who have died in Christ. So this is not the end of life, far from it. But what it is the end of is everything negative, everything bad will come to an end. That's what it means when we're talking about the end of the world. Just so that people understand is how can you possibly get excited? How can you be happy? about the end of the world. And it is because it's going to bring an end to all the suffering and the, and the bad stuff. This is how I look at it, Peter. I look at uh, this vaccine that we are talking about, that, that the world is desperate for this vaccine. I mean, billions of dollars are being spent by governments all around the world on this vaccine. And you talk about the end of the world and the end of the world, as far as the Bible is concerned, is the second coming of Jesus. Sure. 
The second coming of Jesus is that vaccine. Mm. That vaccine that the human race has been desperately seeking for for the last 6,000 years. Mm. Ever since sin entered the world and suffering and sorrow and sadness, death and disease and destruction. So ever since that day when Adam and Eve sinned, they've been looking forward to that vaccine. And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he guaranteed that vaccine by dying on the cross, spilling his precious blood and saying, hey, I am coming back again. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be troubled. I am coming back to take you. I have put my blood here on this earth. I have given my vaccine and I am coming with the second coming vaccine, so to speak. And um, and I'm going to bring an end to the suffering and the sorrow. So what's coming is something glorious as well, far thankfully, as the Bible is concerned. Well, thankfully, it's not just going to take care of uh, the coronavirus. It's going to take care of everything else as well, right? And there's a verse that we've often talked about, and uh, I really want to insert it here, and it's John 16, 33. Mm, great verse, great John verse. John 16, 33, which says, These things I have, this is Jesus speaking, he says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. And this is really what, this is the real purpose of our program today is because we can talk about the signs of the times we can talk about the end of the world we can talk about the the challenges that these signs of the times are bringing to our world but what we want people to know is that even through the crisis people can have peace um it says here um these things i've spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer i've overcome the world what god wants us to know is yes there's a lot of trouble down here, always has been, and until Jesus comes, always will be, right? And there's an intensifying of the trouble that we're seeing. Absolutely. Before we get to that intensification that you're yeah. referring to, and Jesus specifically addresses that, yeah. I just want to pick up on the two promises that Jesus gives us here in this verse in John 16, 33. He says, in me you will have peace. Yep. Promise number one. Promise number two, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Yeah. Okay. These are the two realities that we all face. And Jesus is simply saying is that no matter, no matter how troubled this world becomes, no matter how troubled your life becomes, you can have peace in me. And uh, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter four, he speaks of this peace that passes all understanding. You can't really explain it. Mm. You can only experience it. And that is ultimately what Jesus wants to give each and every one of us because he ultimately is the Prince of Peace, according to Scripture. So here's the thing. You know, some people are going to be saying, well, you know, uh, what kind of a God is it that we're talking about here? Is this a God that cares about human beings? And if so, how come, you know, he allows all of this suffering? And we're not going to get ultimately into that topic we'll do that perhaps in a a future program but some people might be saying what's the purpose of these signs in other words why is god allowing these signs to 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 come on the earth and there's a verse if you go we were talking about matthew 24 verse 7 maybe we should look at verse 8 because i think that's something that um gives us a little bit of an idea of why these things are happening and what they mean for us who live in the time we do Absolutely. Matthew 24 and verse 8. And this is how Jesus concludes this section on the signs of his coming. He's talked about war. He's talked about famines, pestilences and earthquakes and false 
and false Christs and deception. And then in verse 8, Jesus makes this very interesting statement. He says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Very interesting word there, sorrows, that Jesus uses. Some of, some of the modern translation transra- translate that word for what it really is and for what it really means. That word sorrows means labor pains. Right. So what Jesus here is telling us, Peter, what, what is, is that, that sort of labor or liberal or what, what are we talking? What kind of labor pains uh, are we talking labor, about? Not labor, liberal or the National Party or, <laughs> or One Nation or any of that. This is speaking of uh, labor pains that you and I will never know and experience. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. But something our wives did experience. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is speaking of those contractions, those labor pains. And so what Jesus is saying is that, yes, there have always been wars and rumors of wars and so on and so forth. And there have always been diseases and pestilences. However, before I return, just like those labor pains intensify in frequency and in intensity, so too these signs will increase. And so what I shared earlier from Time magazine, where in the last three decades, the the graph has been doubling, literally doubling. Each and every decade, mm. that's exactly what Jesus was telling us. And the good news is, the good news is at the end of the labor pains is what? The joy of a new child. <laughs> the joy of a new child. Yeah. The joy of a new child. And, uh, and Jesus even said that in, in the book of John. Uh, Jesus said, and he said that, you know, you are troubled now. You know, I'll be leaving you mm. and you will be sorrowful. But one day... One day you will be full of joy because I'm coming back. And just like a woman, Jesus used that analogy in in the book of John to describe what would happen when he would come. He said, just like a woman, when she has had the baby, you know, it's almost like her pain is forgotten because of the birth of this new child. How do women ever go back for a second go? (laughs) Or a third or a fourth. (laughs) (laughs) It's because they, you know, somehow they forget the pain and they uh, embrace the joy of, of bringing new children into the world. There's another passage that we're going to pick up on that goes right with this, and it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to pick it up, I think it's uh, verses 1 to 6. Yeah, and this is where I think the Apostle Paul here, he taps into the language that Jesus has just used in Matthew 24. Exactly. All right. Well, I'm going to to read through this, and then I want to... Uh, talk about one of one particular part of it. So I'm going to race through this. But if you uh, if you do have scripture in front of you, we're, we're looking at First Thessalonians chapter five. We're going to read verses one through six. And he says, uh, now Paul is talking. He's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And if you you're not sure where that is, Thessalonica is actually a place. I I I'm almost missed a train at Thessalonica on the station there one day. So I was traveling through Europe, and we actually got on it. My mate. We were backpacking through Europe. We were at Thessalonica's train station. We, we uh, saw this train and we didn't speak a lot of Greek, I've got to tell you. And we got on this train and then we realized that we were on the wrong train. And we got off the train and it was moving in the opposite direction to the way we wanted to go. So we, we got off pretty quick. But anyway, Thessalonica, it's a real place. And uh, Paul is writing to the people there. And I've got a little heading above this passage. It says, the day of the Lord. Mm. This is talking about the second coming of Jesus. Notice what it says. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now, we could talk about that. What does it mean that Jesus comes as a thief in the night? The passage actually will explain it to us. It says, um, for when they say peace and safety... 
then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. So in other words, there's a suddenness to the end here that is interesting to note because we have seen a very rapid, a very sudden change in the world Mm. through this coronavirus. Nobody expected this to happen, not on this scale. And the world has been taken by surprise. It happened suddenly. That's right. And it's a lesson for us, I guess, that whatever we think may or may not happen, we have learned that the world can change suddenly. Well, we learned that at... On 9-11, we September 11, we went to bed, the world looked like this, we yeah. woke up and the world looked very different. That's right. And so so things can happen suddenly, and it, it includes there that labor pains upon a pregnant woman. So there's that link. And then it says, verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. In other words, it shouldn't be a surprise to those who you know are reading their scripture because essentially what it's saying is God has put... The warning signs ahead of us in Scripture, and this is what we're talking about now. Um, you, brethren, are not in darkness, that this day I should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of darkness, nor of uh, not not of night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And so, it's just basically telling us that a things can happen suddenly. It's linking it to that language around the birth pains, the mm. the labour pains. Of, of a woman in labor and as you uh, so eloquently said talking about a uh, a rise in the frequency and the intensity until the event occurs that's right and just like jesus the apostle paul is saying watch yeah watch so how do we watch we watch by spending time in the scriptures because god here is giving us a heads up and jesus doesn't want to play hide and seek with the world. Jesus wants us to know ahead of times, so as we discovered earlier, that we may believe and be ready for his coming. So so God essentially has put these signs in the Bible so that um, when we see them, that we can say, hey, we know where we are. Mm. We, we know that the coming is soon. So we're not losing hope. We're gaining hope even as the world falls into crisis. We're going to go to another piece of music here. And this is... Uh, Tarim Wells, Hills and Valleys. We hope you enjoy. I've walked among the shadows. You wiped my tears away. And I felt the pain of heartbreak. And I've seen the brighter days. And I've prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place. I have held your blessings, God, you give and take away. No matter what I have, your grace is enough. And no matter where I am, I'm standing in your love. On the mountains, I will bow my life to the one who sent me there. In the valley, I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. When I'm standing on the mountain, I didn't get there on my own. When I'm walking through the valley, I know I am not alone. Your God of the hills and valleys, hills and valleys, God of the hills and valleys, and I am not alone. Thank you. 
watch my dreams get broken In you I hope again No matter what I know I'm safe inside your hands On the mountains I will bow my life To the one who sent me there In the valley I will lift my eyes To the one who sees me there When I'm standing was hills and valleys with torren wells um danny we're talking about some of the signs of the times we've been talking about matthew 24 quite a bit and there are a lot of signs there and we don't have time to unpack them all in one program there's uh, a lot of rich uh scripture uh to unpack here especially in relation to the last days but the, you, we mentioned earlier that there was a parallel passage that's right yes matthew 24 mm. luke 21 and mark chapter 13 they are the three chapters in those three gospels that parallel one another with with different elements added in that that one may not pick they're up really on. worthy worthy of comparison aren't oh, they? Absolutely. because you know it's uh with the four gospels so what we've said before is that uh, the four gospel accounts are really four accounts of jesus life uh and they are they're complementary accounts not contradictory accounts so in other words what one witness uh, sees another witness sees uh, some elements that maybe that first witness we didn't see, and you know we need all four of those testimonies, don't we? We need those four witnesses as opposed to just one version of the life of Jesus. That's right. All the richness. That's right. All four of those gospels bring about the rich picture, the full picture. It, it puts all the pieces of the gospel puzzle together. Okay. All right. So you wanted to pick up, I think, in Luke chapter twenty-one, and I think. You wanted to um... pick up in verse 11 okay. where, where Jesus speaks of, 
of what we read earlier in Matthew 24, 7, okay. where Jesus says, and there will be great earthquakes. See, there you go. That's, that's, that's what we were saying earlier. In Matthew 24, verse 7, Jesus simply said earthquakes. In various places. In various places. But here, Luke adds a word that Matthew omits, mm. and the word great. And that word in the Greek is mega. Okay. And we mega need, earthquakes. Yeah, mega earthquakes. Wow. Um, you know, we all, we all know what that word mega means. And Jesus goes on and says there'll be great earthquakes in various places yep. and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. So this is all in the context of, of what will be taking place more and more in the last days. And then as we go through the chapter, we don't have time to unpack um, what happens from verse 11 to verse 24, but we're going to pick it up in verse 25, where in verse 25, Jesus here describes uh, the, the psyche, the human psyche that will be present just before Jesus comes. So this is kind of where, where people's heads and hearts are at at the end of time. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 25. And it's also speaking of where the world will be collectively. Notice these words. These are absolutely incredible. These could have been written today in today's front page newspapers and on today's news headlines. Check these out. Verse 25, Luke 21, verse 25, Jesus says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And notice these words. And on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is, this is graphic language that Jesus here is using. He speaks of, he speaks of the nations, the nations of the world being in distress, number one, experiencing perplexity, number two, and men's and women's hearts failing them from fear. Now, what I did was I decided to take a look at these words. Mm. I went to my dictionary just to get a good handle on what these words are that Jesus spoke of. And, um, and the word for distress, notice this is from the American Dictionary. The word distress literally means, and you tell me, Peter, if this doesn't fit what we are seeing right now in 2020. Great mental or physical suffering, such as extreme anxiety, sadness, or pain, or the state of being in danger or urgent need. That paints the exact picture of what we're experiencing it's very, now. It's a very, uh, yeah, it's a Great very Great mental expression. or physical suffering. We know about the physical suffering. We know about the mental health issues that have increased astronomically over these past couple of months. Yeah, I was just going to tap, tap into that because it just, you know, you mentioned here in verse 26, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming mm. on the earth. So people are seeing the, I mean, I remember when uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, 20 years ago almost uh, for 9-11 and the fear factor, the fact that people were fearful. When was the next terrorist event going to occur? Uh, you know, and that it, it bred fear, it did. Uh, that, that event. And, of course, this is fear of a different kind. And as you said, anxiety, depression. And we've got to remember, it's the nations of the world. Here, That's Jesus right. is not saying this is just going to be in one part of the world. Sure. This, is, this is worldwide. And that word perplexity, yeah. take a look at that next one. It simply means, this is Cambridge Dictionary this time, a state of confusion or a complicated and difficult situation or thing. 
Now, that ticks all those boxes. Yeah. That's what we're experiencing. And finally, that word fear, if I could just tap don't, into don't that fear, word fear. Don't because they want to pick up on that word fear just that after word you've fear, talked. Ch- check this out. Check this out. This is, once again, Cambridge. You're on a roll. Cambridge Dictionary. It's hard to get me off a roll. You'll probably have to push me off the seat. <laughs> could we mute the mic? <laughs> It's too late. Take the batteries out. Take the batteries out. (laughs) You've let me out of the can. You can't get me back in there. I'm from Macedonia. Don't forget that. (laughs) You can't put it back in the bottle. We're not like the pommies. We're not like the pommies. Anyway, check this out. Uh, This is the word fear. An unpleasant emotional thought that you have when you are frightened or worried by something dangerous, painful, or bad. Now, notice these words. Bad that is happening or might happen. That's sure. what you're talking about. Yeah. That's that. The know, expectation. It's the anticipation. The uncertainty of yeah. what's to come. Okay. So well, what was interesting to me about that, I mean, certainly um, it's, you know, you, you hear all the time on the news, you know, we live in such uncertain times. This is, you know, this is way before this year's crisis, right? Absolutely. Yeah. They've been talking about our oh, markets are uncertain and, uh, you know, the housing market and the, the uh, employment market and all of that stuff, lots of uncertainty. And that breeds anxiety and fear. But um, this is BBC News feature um, on uh, the BBC News w- website on 2nd um, second, second of April this year. Uh, and it says the fear of coronavirus is changing our psychology. Yeah, well, that's exactly what Jesus is well, talking let me, about. I am not finished yet. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll put give you, you back a go. in your box. <laughs> <laughs> but underneath it says here, the threat of contagion can twist our psychological responses to ordinary interactions, mm. leading us to behave in unexpected ways. And I just want to, you know, we've all seen the images of the, the toilet roll frenzy, mm. right, and the stockpiling of, of resources and so forth, and the fights in the aisles. Um. But that's it. That's what they're saying here is, is the, the fear of coronavirus is changing our psychology. The threat of contagion can twist our psychological responses to ordinary reactions, leading us to behave in unexpected ways. And uh, I think when we think back about one of the verses we mentioned earlier, um, in this world you will have, you know, these trials things, and tribulations. Yeah, these things I've told you, you can ha- in me you can have peace. Mm, so Jesus is saying, yep, I know it's a mess out there. But I want you to have peace. I don't want you to panic. You don't have to go crazy. Mm. You can have peace. You can have that um, knowledge that you're secure mm. in God's hands, even in the midst of the tribulation. Now, Peter, you want to now move on to the other side. You know, talk about the other side that Jesus talks about here. Have a look what's going to happen now in verse. Tell 27. me about the other side. Wow, well, I got, I got. This is not where the story ends. This is not where the story ends. Well, that's notice. Th- thankfully, that's true. Notice how the story ends. It doesn't end with perplexity and fear and distress. It ends with these words. Jesus says, "Then, so when this world is in a mess, then they will see. That is." The nations of the world, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, do what? I was going to save that to the end, but keep going. (laughs) Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Yeah, no, no, I'm glad you read that out, Danny, because, you know, when we were deciding, we were thinking about what should we call the show? You know, what do we we, want to call this show? And we uh, decided that we would call it Looking Up. Because and that's really where that's that's drawn from that verse, because what God wants us to do. And I think that all these things, God knew the world would be in a mess. He reveals to us that he knows that. 
and he reveals it to us in advance, 2,000 years in advance, so that we can have confidence in him, Mm. even in the midst of all that storm. And then he's saying, I want you, when this all begins to happen, I want you to look up. Amen. And that's not, uh, now that, that, that's literally, right? That's literally, he's saying Jesus is going to come in the clouds, right? But it's also in the sense that even before he comes, we want to be looking up. That's right. We want to be looking to heaven for the answers. We want to be looking to heaven for the peace. We want to be looking to heaven for the certainty and the security that all of that brings. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm glad that we chose looking up mm. as uh, that um, title for this uh, particular show. All right, we're going to go to uh, a little bit more music, and we're going to be listening to more about Jesus. That sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds more good. about Jesus, Savannah Ellis. Enjoy.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
were listening to Caitlin Clampett and Love Lifted Me, Jesus Saves. And I really enjoyed that piece of music. Um, you're listening to Faith FM. Uh, this is the afternoon radio show Looking Up with Danny and Peter. And uh, I just want to tell you about something we mentioned earlier. And that is that this coming weekend we have... Two seminars that are dropping online this weekend that you can check out and we want to encourage you to check out because they're going to be diving into the very topics that Danny and I have been talking about this afternoon and you won't want to miss them. One is called um, Predictions of Hope Beyond Corona and uh, that is May 8 through 11. I think it's from Friday, uh, Friday evening. Um, You can find them and you're going to find that at discover.hopechannel.com forward slash predictions of hope and uh, we hope that you will be able to check that out and there'll be a series of messages that I think uh, we'll we'll be talking all about the things that we've been talking about this afternoon there's one other and it's called the end this is a very interesting um, series it's called the end what the bible says about the end of the world and uh, it's if you go to the end.digital You'll be able to see a promo for that series, and um, we'd just like to encourage you to, to get on that. The, the end series starts on Sunday, May 10th at 8 p.m., and uh, two presenters are actually friends of mine, which is uh, Sharissa Tarosian and Lyle Southwell, and I know that you'll enjoy what they have to present. So check those out, and uh, we hope that you'll enjoy that. Now, if you want to uh, listen to this Radio show again. It's hard to imagine anybody wanting to listen to it again. They know got to be <laughs> apart from our grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think my yeah, my mother's tuning in. But um, you can actually uh, listen to a podcast, or maybe you want to share it. Maybe you enjoyed the the radio show this afternoon so much you want to share it with others. You can uh, find the podcast at Faith FM, the Faith FM website, which is faithfm.com.au. Thank you, Peter. And yeah, we've had a wonderful time exploring God's Word together this afternoon. The time has just flown by and we're kind of almost getting to the end of our program. I'm not sure who's going to be tuning in next week, but we'll be here and we're looking forward to that. But I just want to pick up on where we were at before we went to that beautiful piece of music. We were taking a look at Luke 21 and how Jesus mentioned that there would be wars and um, and, and, and pestilences and so forth. And in Matthew 24, we also discovered that Jesus said, along with pestilence, there would be war, there would be famine, and there would be earthquakes. And uh, Jesus said that before he comes, we can see a great rise in the intensity and frequency of these great disasters. Now, Peter, you were sharing with me some interesting news headlines that specifically speak to the increase in these contractions that Jesus spoke about. You want to just pick up on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, when it, you mentioned before, you know, in Matthew it talks about um, earthquakes, and then in Luke it talks about great earthquakes. It mentions that you know it adds that little mm. element, which I thought was very interesting. And it talks, also talks about famines along with the pestilences. I thought this was an interesting news article from BBC. This is twenty first of April, uh, twenty twenty, and uh, BBC News headline is "Coronavirus: World Risks Biblical Famines Due to Pandemic." according to the UN. Now, I found that interesting because they're, used, they're invoking biblical language there, right, in terms of their description of, of the impact 
of coronavirus and the impact it's going to have on famine in the world. It's not as though famine wasn't an issue before coronavirus. There are many places in the world that are being heavily affected by famine even before coronavirus hit. But because of coronavirus, that that impact is going to be felt even more heavily. It says here, the world is at risk of widespread famines of biblical proportions. It says, caused by the coronavirus pandemic, the UN has warned. And so it's interesting that they are invoking this kind of biblical language when they're talking about some of what we would call the signs of the times. Um, You know, they're just looking at it from a news perspective. But here we have the descriptions of these things in the news. And as far as the earthquakes are concerned, I'm glad you picked up on that word in Luke where it says great earthquakes in various places because um, NBC News some years ago, this was 2014, this is a while back now, but in 2014 uh, NBC News was talking about the rise in the number of great earthquakes. And this is their headline. It says worldwide surge in great earthquakes seen in the past 10 years. And it goes on to say the annual number of great earthquakes nearly tripled over the last decade. Between 2004-2014, 18 earthquakes with magnitudes of 8.0 or more rattled subduction zones around the globe. That's an increase of 265%. Wow. That's not you and me saying this. This is NBC News, right? That's an increase of 265% over the average rate of the previous century. Hmm. So what I'm saying is that it's, it's like the signs are all there. The news is saying, wow, this is big. And the Bible is saying 2,000 years ago, these are the things we should be expecting to see as we approach the second coming of Christ. It's those labor pains. It's those labor pains. Jesus used such a simple and clear analogy that it's impossible to, to miss no matter where you are on the planet. And, um, and those labor pains, as we have discovered, end with the second coming of Jesus, the looking up because your redemption is drawing near. And I want to now read a passage in the Apocalypse. This is the book of Revelation where Jesus, through his disciple John, makes it absolutely crystal clear how the end will come. And it's not going to come through famines or pestilences or, or, or any political war crisis. We're not, not through nuclear annihilation. Notice what it Let says. Let me in- pause you there. I just want to say something because I think that you're right there. This is important to note. You know, some people are wondering, you know, coronavirus, is that the end? Coronavirus is not how it ends. Is it a sign of the times? Absolutely. Is it the end? No, because. That's right. Notice these words that that Jesus, uh, through, like I said, through his servant, uh, John writes. Here, John writes in Revelation, the Apocalypse, chapter 21, verses 4 and 5. He writes, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. The Bible here says that there is a day coming, Peter, when there'll be no more sorrow, no more suffering, and no more pain, no more coronavirus, no more anything that has brought so much pain and heartache and death and separation into our world. And the Bible here says very clearly, God says, Behold, I make all things new, all things new. And I love that passage. How it finishes, right for these words are true and faithful. You and I, we can take these words to the bank. 
In this day of uncertainty, we can put our faith and confidence and trust in the Word of God that has stood the test of time. And I thank God for that. That's important to know because that's the whole purpose. It's this purpose of this show is to give people hope amidst the trial. Okay, we're going to go to some more music. We're going to be listening to Kenny Ogendi and Songs in the Night. And we're not quite at the night yet, but we're getting there. Notes of praise in the hour of darkness. Notes of praise when God seems silent. In questions or pain or anger or shame. There's still a song in the night Sing though the shadows taunt you
Okay, that was Songs in the Night. You are listening to Faith FM with Peter and Danny, and this is the afternoon show, Looking Up. Danny. It's been wonderful to be able to look up the scriptures and to discover the wonderful hope that we can have in Jesus. And I just want to thank God that at the end of this very dark tunnel that we've been in for the past 6,000 years, that we have a bright light. And that bright light at the end of the tunnel is the second coming of Jesus. And in fact, Peter, the Bible speaks of the second coming as the blessed hope. It refers to it as the blessed hope. And really this is the ultimate hope that we have as a civilization. And I thank God for his word that we can have this hope. We can have peace so that no matter what storm is coming our way, we have that wonderful peace in our hearts and in our lives. With God, there's always a happy ending. Absolutely. That's the thing. Like as bad as things get, and they can get pretty bad. Um, And, you know, as we've seen with coronavirus, thousands of people have lost their lives Mm, to this coronavirus. Very sad. But death is not the end. No. If you believe in Jesus and that's, you know, that may be, you know, there may be people, some, some people listening to this and thinking, wow, you know, the resurrection really, that's a bit of a stretch. Um, and I used to think that way. Um, but I have to say, when you think about it, what else is there to hope for? <laughs> what what if, if Jesus and the Bible and the God uh, of the Bible and the, 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 uh, the scriptures that we've been given, the evidence behind all of that, you and I have been privileged enough to look at some of that evidence over the years and uh, maybe we'll we'll talk about some of that in another program but the reality is that all these things are not in the bible by accident god has a design he has a purpose he has a plan and he's put these things there to let us know where we are to let us know that he knows what's going on and that he has a plan and that he has indeed got a happy ending somebody once said that um it'll be all right in the end and if it's not all right it's not the end. <laughs> so um, God believes in happy endings. Anyway, in the meantime, you know, this is not just something, oh, well, we're looking forward to the second coming. We can have peace with God now. Mm, right now. Right, right now. And there's a verse here in Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 that I just want to read through. And it says, fear God. No, it says for God. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a of power and of love. And of a sound mind. So God is not wanting us to be fearful of the things that are coming upon the world. He wants us to put our confidence and trust in him. And in these uncertain times, we have a certain saviour. Mm, amen. Amen. And that's just so powerful to know that we have certainty uh, through Christ and because of Christ. And one of these days, those labour pains will end up with the second coming of Jesus. And that's something to look forward to. It sure is. Well, we hope that people have enjoyed uh, listening to our program Looking Up this afternoon. Um, we just wanted to mention if you are listening live, we're grateful that you joined us. We hope that uh, you'll be able to join us again in future. If you're listening a little later in the week, we hope that you have enjoyed the content that we have provided for you. As I mentioned before, there is uh, a podcast of this radio uh, broadcast that you can Uh, listen to again or share with friends and you can find that on faithfm.com.au we uh, uh, hope that you'll be able to uh, re-listen to this if you want to do that and to be able to um, pass that on to others Um, well that's about all we have time for today Um, as i mentioned i've enjoyed being here danny have you enjoyed absolutely 
This is good news. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. And so until next time, don't forget to keep looking up.